Welcome to Swimming Upstream, the podcast about Catholicism, technology, culture, baseball, and whatever else might come up. I'm your host, Eric Sammons. Today I'm going to be talking about the most popular priest in America today, and that is Father James Martin. And I don't think there's any question he's the most popular cleric uh, in the United States today. He first kind of made his fame about, I guess it was 10 or 15 years ago, on the Stephen Colbert show, the old Stephen Colbert show on Comedy Central. And he would come in every once in a while and be interviewed by Stephen Colbert, who's also Catholic. And frankly, he seemed relatively harmless at the time. He's a Jesuit priest, and I think uh, you know he, his answers were, were normally fine. They weren't really anything that controversial. Uh, but it's really over the last few years that his fame has really... Uh, increased and gotten a lot bigger. And also, however, the dangers he presents to the faith and the Catholics has also increased over that time. A number of years ago, he really began to focus his ministry towards people with same-sex attraction, towards homosexual persons, those who struggle with homosexuality. And he wrote a book called Building a Bridge, in which he wanted to create dialogue between what he says, a dialogue between the church and those who have same-sex attraction. Uh, this is an important issue. I, I saw it myself in my own uh, work when I was a director of uh, evangelization at a diocese. I often talked to people, and people would meet with me, and they wanted to talk about the church and you know, what it taught and how it impacted their family. And I specifically remember uh, one mother who had a son with same-sex attraction, and she was very upset by what the church, what she believed the church taught. She was very upset that she said the church had called her son disordered, that the church really had hated her son, and she was upset about this. And I explained to her very carefully what the church really teaches and why it's not true that the church says that he is disordered, or I should say he is disordered any more than anybody is disordered who has the fall of Adam impacting them. And it was really difficult to talk to her because she had read things by people like Father James Martin, and she didn't really believe what I was saying, that the church really does love all people, including those of same-sex attraction. And really, what Father James Martin has been doing over the years has made it much worse, has made it so that people don't really understand what the church teaches. Now, before I even talk in more depth about some problems with Father James Martin, I just want to address kind of the elephant in the room, and that is... Is it okay for a Catholic to criticize a priest or a bishop or a pope? I know some people are very uncomfortable with that. They're very uncomfortable. Some Catholics, devout Catholics, are very uncomfortable with that idea. And I get that. And I respect that. Because the office of the priesthood is the greatest office in the world. It is what allows us to receive Jesus in the sacraments. It is what really keeps the church going. Without the Eucharist, there is no church and without the priesthood, there is no Eucharist. And so it's so important the priesthood is. However, that doesn't mean that we're not allowed to ever criticize our religious leaders. In fact, if we could look to Jesus himself as the model, Jesus himself, you see in the Gospels, he often criticized religious leaders. In fact, that's almost exclusively who he criticized, were religious leaders who he felt were hypocritical or were leading people astray. And so we are able to criticize religious leaders, including clerics, including priests and bishops and popes, if we feel that they're leading people astray. And we only do this, though, after much prayer and study. And we see this also in the history of the church. St. Paul, of course, criticized St. Peter publicly. It's in the scriptures that he criticized St. Peter. And, of course, St. Peter is more than, just, um, more than just a priest. He was the first pope. 
St. Catherine of Siena, of course, really challenged the Pope of her time to leave Avignon and come to Rome. And so if people can criticize popes, obviously they should be able to criticize priests. Again, done with the respect for the priesthood, for the office, but if they're leading people astray, I think it's very clear that we can criticize religious leaders. And honestly, if there's one religious leader in America today that's leading people astray more than anybody else, it's Father James Martin. And so he is somebody definitely open to criticism. Now, over the years, uh, Father James Martin has also made a career to kind of skirt the line between going against church teaching and not going against it explicitly, kind of implicitly goes against church teaching, but he explicitly doesn't. And that's really, he's, he's, he's a genius at this, to be honest. And I think he does it because he knows if he came out and explicitly condemned church teaching or disagree with it, he would lose his speaking opportunities, he would lose his book, many of his book opportunities, he would lose his standing in the church. If you've seen over the years, whenever a Catholic priest in past years has kind of gone against the church completely, left the priest or whatever, they become much less popular. Because for the media, it's much more attractive to have a Catholic priest who's still a Catholic priest in good standing say things that make the church look bad than it is for somebody who's left the priesthood. That's not as interesting. I think Father James Martin does a good job of basically uh, threading that needle so that he never comes out and explicitly uh, condemns or contradicts church teaching, yet implicitly he does it all the time. And so he can keep his ministry alive uh, while still going against what the church really says. I've also noticed that uh, Father James Martin has done has become more bold in many of his statements since Pope Francis became Pope. I think he believes that Pope Francis is like-minded with him, and so he, he's more free to say things that he, maybe he held back before the pontificate of Francis. And so, but people often do criticize Father James Martin for the fact that he doesn't ever really explain church teaching. In his books, in his writings, he will say things, he will really emphasize how we need to treat homosexuals, how we need to treat those of same-sex attraction, but he'll never really explain what church teaching is. And so what he did recently, I give him credit for this, he wrote an article in America Magazine. America Magazine is a, a publication, he's the editor-at-large, I think, or editor-in-chief or something like that of America Magazine. And he wrote an article titled, What is the Official Church Teaching on Homosexuality? responding to a commonly asked question. This was published about a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago. And in it, he goes through and he says he's asked a lot, what's the official church teaching on, 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 church teaching on homosexuality? And he wants to answer that question, which I give him credit. Normally, he doesn't want to answer that question. He avoids that question like the plague. He finally answers it. And I noticed a number of people praised, a number of Orthodox Catholics praised him for giving a good answer. And so I thought, okay, let, let me see what he really says. If you look at the article, though, it's classic Father James Martin. Because what he does is, he says things like, I'm not going to challenge church teaching, I never will. But yet, everything he says in it, basically, almost everything, undercuts church teaching. He undermines church teaching, and it really gives the worst possible view of what the church teaches when it comes to same-sex attraction. And so I wanted to go through, I have the article here, I want to go through the article a little bit and give a few examples of this and how he's actually undermining church teaching when he's saying he'll never challenge it and he's saying he's, he explains it. First of all, he, he states at the beginning, he just starts off the article with, since Building a Bridge, a book on ministering to lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender Catholics was published. Right in the first sentence, we have a problem. 
because and it's a problem he addresses a little bit later but doesn't really uh, really doesn't do a good job of addressing it he talks about lesbian gay bisexual and transgender catholics that's a real problem because we're already talking about identity are we identifying a child of God, an image of God, as a transgender person, as a gay person, as a lesbian person? I think that's a real problem that really undermines what the church really teaches about it. Because somebody is not ultimately who they are, isn't a lesbian or a transgender person or a bisexual person. They are simply an image of God, a human person who might have same-sex attraction or have bisexual attractions or whatever the case may be. Or in the case of transgender, may have a mental problem in which they think they are something they are not. They are a man and they think they're a woman or what have you. So already we see an undermining in literally the first sentence of this article. Now then he talks about the fact that, you know, questions on the official teaching on church teaching are asked not only by Catholics who are unaware of the church's teaching, and he says, for most Catholics know the teachings. But later he even kind of admits that people don't know what the church is teaching or they're confused by it. So I don't know why he thinks that most Catholics know what the church teaching is, almost like excusing himself for not explaining it before this. But the fact is most Catholics don't know what the church's teaching is on this. And then he says very specifically, as a Catholic priest, I have never challenged those teachings, challenged the teachings of the church on same-sex attraction, nor will I. And I think that's a little bit disingenuous because his career is basically made up in challenging those teacher teachings in an implicit way. Maybe not explicitly, but in an implicit way. And by the way, that's one of the reasons I, I say the forked tongue of Father James Martin, because he says one thing, but then his actions show something else. It's like the, the devil himself, when he lies, he doesn't say things explicitly false. He th says things that have kernels of truth in them so that you're more likely to believe them. Now, I'm not saying Father James Martin is the devil, but I am saying that his ministry, the devil can use by basically um, saying things that sound good, sound good to you know, Catholic ears, like, oh, maybe this is true, but really they aren't. They're undermining what the church is actually teaching. Now, one big problem he has is he says specifically that the Catechism of the Catholic Church, basically it doesn't address bisexual or transgender person, but rather, quote, homosexual persons. I'll refer here to gay and lesbian people to be more precise. That's not the same thing, though. I already mentioned this previously. Saying somebody is gay or lesbian is not the same thing as saying somebody is a person with same-sex attraction. And even homosexual persons, which the catechism uses, I think is an outdated term now because I think it falls into the problems of identity politics, of identifying somebody specifically by their sexual attractions. I think most people in, in, in Catholic ministry, truly Catholic ministry towards those with same-sex attraction would say that. They have SSA. They have same-sex attraction because we don't identify somebody by their sexual uh, preferences, by what they desire. That's not really who they are. And so I think that's a problem because throughout the rest of the, the article, he talks about gay and lesbian persons, but that's not what the, the catechism, the terms the catechism using. And then he also mentions something very typical uh, with those who uh, kind of promote uh, same-sex same attraction, and Father Martin specifically he says, in his public ministry, Jesus continually reached out to those who felt ignored, excluded, or marginalized, which many gay and lesbian Catholics do. In fact, gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender Catholics are probably the most marginalized group in the church today. And so I believe that Christ loves them with a special love. Well, I definitely agree that Christ loves them. 
But I would not say, though, however, that they are the most marginalized group in the church, because what does it mean to be marginalized? It makes it sound like there's some injustice happening here. And the fact that the church is teaching what the church teaches, what our Lord has told us himself about the reality of sexual relations, about marriage, things like that, that's not marginalizing them in some type of injustice. And I also think it's somewhat of a misnomer to say that somehow that Jesus, his whole ministry was to, what, what did he say, ignored, excluded, or marginalized people. Really, it was much more than, I think that's a real simplistic understanding of what Jesus was doing. Doing Yes, he talked to those like the, the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well, the woman caught in adultery, who definitely were marginalized in the sense that they weren't part, a major part of society. But if you also notice, many rich people were saw him, you know, Nicodemus and people like that, Josephus. I mean, all these people who saw him, um, who were his minister, who who were his disciples. I'm sorry, they also were part of it, and they weren't really marginalized either. So I think that to kind of pigeonhole Christ's ministry of the marginalized, I think, is a real problem because really Christ's ministry was everybody. In fact, he was ministering to religious leaders who were leading people astray by condemning them and by condemning their hypocrisy. He's ministering them, hoping to bring them to the truth, which, you know, is exactly what Father Martin is doing in, in leading people astray. Now, then he goes on and he talks about the fact that be, simply being gay or lesbian is not a sin. That is very true. He does a good job mentioning that. But, and he even says, contrary to widespread belief, even among educated Catholics. But he earlier had said that Catholics know the church's teaching. So again, he's kind of contradicting himself in this article. But then he does a classic, this is like a classic kind of uh, progressive line to say something like this. He says, as any reputable psychologist or psychiatrist will agree, people do not choose to be born with any particular sexual orientation. Whoa, red flags all around here. Whenever you start off a line, any reputable psychologist or psychiatrist will believe. What you're basically saying is any psychologist or, or um, psychiatrist who agrees with me believes. That makes them reputable if they agree with what I'm saying. So he's basically saying if you don't agree with me, you're against science itself, which is kind of a, a argumentation trick to try to go against those who are against you by basically demeaning them and saying, oh, nobody real, nobody reputable would disagree with me. And he says, people do not choose to be born with any particular sexual orientation. There's a red flag there too, choose to be born. Now, I think most people would agree that somebody who has same-sex attraction did not choose to have same-sex attraction. It's not like he chose to, uh, you know, what ice cream he's going to have for today. If he's going to have vanilla or chocolate, oh, I think I'm going to be uh, homosexual or I think I'm going to be heterosexual. We all know that's not the case. But to say you don't choose to be born with it, I think that's a real problem. And science doesn't actually support that. In fact, if you look at many uh, scientific studies of twins, oftentimes twins, one twin will end up being uh, having same-sex attraction, another will not. But if you're born with it, then there should never be a case of that, ever. If, that, if the case is you're born with same-sex attraction, then you would never have a situation where you can have a tw two twin, identical twins I'm talking about, where one is, has same-sex attraction and one does not. Yet that does happen. And so, whereas we would agree, Catholics would agree, that yes, you don't choose to be born, I'm sorry, you don't choose your sexual orientation, that doesn't mean you're born with it. There's a lot of factors that go into it in your upbringing, how you are raised, you know, your parents, your home life, all these different things come into play. And it's, it's false to say that somebody's born with same-sex attraction. Okay, I want to move along in the article here. Then he talks about the fact, he, he mentions that what the Catechism says, that homosexual acts are, according to the Catechism, intrinsically disordered and contrary to natural law. 
Very true. That's exactly what the Catechism states. He says, where does this teaching come from and what does it mean? Well, this teaching has some biblical roots, and then he quotes some, a few uh, Bible passages, or I should say he refers to them. There's another word that kind of undermines church teaching. Well, it has some biblical roots. He's suggesting that there are other biblical roots that go against what the church teaches without really saying it. The fact is that the Bible is explicitly clear that homosexual acts are always wrong and that they're immoral. I mean, there's not even, there's, there's really no question about this by any, ser- here, I'll do it, by any reputable biblical scholar would never even suggest that the, the Bible doesn't say that very clearly. But he wants to minimize it, so he says some biblical roots. And then he just never talks about the, what the Bible teaches again after that. Almost like the church has kind of plucked this out. In fact, that might be what he's saying. The church has plucked this out from a few biblical places, but really they've made it up out of whole cloth. He says, we can perhaps best understand the church's teaching from the church's traditional reliance on natural law, which was itself heavily influenced by the writings of St. Thomas Aquinas, who himself drew on Aristotle. So again, what you see is he's making it appear that the church's teaching in this area is basically just some dude from a long time ago that basically just was saying... Um, you know, St. Thomas Aquinas, that is. And he's, he's kind of just saying that wasn't really, uh, it's not really has a strong basis. It's just this one guy from the Middle Ages who came up with it. He then goes on to explain natural law and how the idea of Aquinas wants us, wants us to see that the world makes sense. And he talks about the fact that things are ordered to certain things. And he says, you know, specifically like, you know, your eyes are ordered to see and things like that. And a, a acorn is ordered towards becoming an oak tree, a, um, a child is ordered towards becoming an adult. He actually does a very good job here of explaining that and explaining what that means. And then he talks about how that's what the church means when it says something is disordered. And he's right about that. And that is the meaning when it says that homosexual acts are disordered. That's exactly what it's saying, that you're using something against its natural, its true, and its good end against its order, so to speak. And so homosexual acts always are against that because they go against the order in which man and female, male and female were created in order to generate life and to come into sexual union. And so he's right about that. Um, and I think that is an important point. We as Catholics should know what that means. And the fact is we all perform disordered acts. Every time you sin, that's literally disorder. You're going against the order of things. You're going against what you should be doing. And so, yes, definitely... Um, that you know, homosexual acts are disordered, just like all sexual, all sinful acts are disordered. Um, and of course, he mentions that the phrase "ejective disorder" does not refer to the person himself, and that's true as far as it goes. I would say, however, that because of original sin, we actually all are objectively disordered. There's a reason we want to sin and we want to go against what the church teaches, what God's law says, because we're objectively disordered. We go against what the church. Uh, really, um, what, what God really wants for us. And then, okay, so then he goes on um, and he says, okay, he talks about that the fact that the uh, catechism says that lesbians and gays must be treated with the virtues of respect, compassion, sensitivity. And he says, in my experience, this is the section of the catechism teaching on homosexuality that is the least known by most Catholics. But I don't know how that's really true because he trumpets it every place he goes, and we hear that all the time from the church now. And so I don't really think, I think that's a little disingenuous. And then near the end, though, he talks about the fact he uses um, Pope Francis as a model of accompaniment and how Pope Francis talks about accompaniment. And that's really what he's trying to do. He's just trying to accompany people on their journey. However, he says, 
Francis notes that we must recognize the good at work in every person, even in situations that fall short of what the church proposes as the fullness of gospel living. He says that Jesus expects us to enter into the reality of people's lives, accompanying them as we can, helping to form their consciences, consciences the final arbiter of moral decision-making, encouraging them to lead faithful and holy lives. Well, the problem is, is that the vast majority of accompanying doesn't uh, encourage people to lead faithful and holy lives. If you don't make it clear when you're talking to somebody same-sex attraction that homosexual acts are disordered, then, which he says he does not talk about in his book, Building a Bridge, then you're not really accompanying them. If you notice Jesus, he never accompanies somebody without trying to draw them closer to him and draw them out of their sinful lifestyle. So there is no such thing as an accompaniment that does not also include a condemnation of homosexual acts or whatever the sinful act might be. The woman at the well, for example, Jesus says to her, go and sin no more. After he tells people, you know, to, to uh, not stone her because they, they also are in sin, he tells her to go and sin no more. The woman at the, the Samaritan woman at the well, she wants to be with, you know, she wants to follow Jesus, but he says, go tell your husband. And she's like, oh, I ha he's not my husband, you know, and she's like, he's like, you're right, you have five husbands, you've had five husbands, a man you're with, not your husband. This is harsh language. He's accompanying her, though, however, because he's showing her exactly what it is that prevents her from fall, you know, following him. And that's exactly what Father James Martin is not doing. He's not making clear when he talks. In fact, he always, he usually makes it clear that he doesn't really support the church's teaching. And by not making it clear what the church is teaching on this, what he's doing is he's actually not accompanying them. He's helping them in their sin. He's deepening them in their sinful lifestyles. And that ultimately is the real problem that I have with Father James Martin is that by talking about the, the need for love and respect and compassion towards homosexual persons, he's not actually showing them that compassion because he's not showing them the way out. And really, that's, you know, just to kind of wrap this up, that's the real problem I have with Father James Martin. He doesn't present the church's teaching as something beautiful, as something life-giving. Instead, he acts like, he, he, he treats it more as if a, um, the church is like this stern, emotionless, unforgiving judge over people that's just looking for things that you may have done wrong. But really what the church is, it's a rescuer to someone who's drowning. Somebody's falling, drowning in the water, and the church comes and pulls them out. But Father Martin would just have us drown with the person, kind of swim with them until we drown as well. But really what the church is doing, he's pulling, she's pulling people out of their sin. And so instead of a, a positive attitude and, and, and presentation of what the church teaches, it's almost like he's, it's pulling teeth in order to get him to even admit what it teaches, and then he doesn't even want to talk about it, when really that is the path to salvation for people who are in this lifestyle. And so what I would just suggest to people is, do not trust Father James Martin, especially when it comes to his ministry towards those um, the people with same-sex attraction or bisexual or transgender or whatever the latest um, acronym, you know, LGBT and whatever the latest letters are added on to it. Instead, we need to embrace the fullness of truth. And note, this can be done. There isn't a dichotomy between presenting the church's teaching and being loving. Look at the, the ministry Courage. This is a Catholic ministry that reaches out to people with same-sex attraction, and it never, ever undermines the church's teaching. It always presents it as something beautiful and something life-giving. And so we, this can be done. So I would encourage anybody with same-sex attraction, or if you know people with same-sex attraction, go to a place like Courage. Don't go to a Father James Martin, because he's going to end up leading you astray and really undermining the church teaching and, 
and leading people to a lifestyle that's destructive and also potentially can lead to eternal damnation. So I would just encourage people instead, check out Courage, check out what they do instead of what Father James Martin and people like him are doing. Okay, well, that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this, uh, this episode. And again, I encourage people just to uh, go to Courage and check them out and what they're doing. Until next time, keep swimming against the stream.